Well, good morning. It's good to be together with you this morning. Uh, and I just second what Amy already said, it's nice to have fresh carpet in this place. Um, I, I want to make one comment so that I don't have to have this, selfishly, I don't have to have this conversation a hundred times. Uh, we put in some uh, carpet tiles this time, and, which means that uh, when somebody in this room spills their coffee, because it's going to happen, we're able to just remove one tile and replace it, so that's why we did it. But if you walk around the building today, you'll see some of the carpet tiles a little bit bowed. That's actually meant to be, so they will, they will settle over time. So look at somebody next to you and say, it's going to be all right. Okay. Just keeps me from having to have that conversation 150 times. It's okay. <laughs> all right, we come to the conclusion of our series uh, on formation today. If you're a guest with us, um, we spent two months talking about the practices, the disciplines that help form us and shape us as followers of Jesus. Our deepest desire is to align our lives to the way of Jesus. Uh, the first followers of Jesus, they were, they were called the way because they followed the way of Jesus. And that's our desire. We want to align our lives to who he is, to how he lived. And I, I love, Donald Whitney wrote a book on on the disciplines, and he, he has this beautiful illustration. He talks about Zacchaeus uh, from the Bible. If you're new to the scripture, Zacchaeus was a wee little man. That's just for me to determine who's been in church and who hasn't in their life. Uh, so Zacchaeus in the Bible is this little guy, and, and he hears about Jesus, and he wants to know him, but he's small. He can't see in the crowd, and so he, he runs ahead of where Jesus is, and he climbs up in this tree so that he has a, a line of sight on Jesus, and Jesus can see him. And, and Whitney, in his book, he uses this as an illustration uh, to talk about the disciplines. He says, think of the spiritual disciplines as ways by which we can spiritually place ourselves in the path of God's grace and seek him. Much like Zacchaeus placed himself physically in Jesus' path and sought him. I love the visual, climbing this tree to see Jesus and be seen by Jesus. All of the disciplines that we've talked about the last two months are meant to position ourselves in the pathway of grace, where God can transform us. It's the place where we give him access, full access to our heart, our lives. We surrender our way of life and we adopt his way of life. Because the call of Jesus is not to somehow blend our life plans with his blessing. Although we tend to do that in our life. Like, here's what I want to do, God. Would you bring blessing on that? Actually, following Jesus is leaving behind your life plans, surrendering and following his way. There's a repentance. There's a turning away from and a turning to that happens. And all of these disciplines train us in that. Today we come to the final discipline, uh, rather discipline, solitude and fasting, and we paired these together because they're similar in how they shape us. Uh, fasting is, is simply making uh, an intentional decision to go without, and, and most often it's connected to food. It's actively choosing to deny some of our physical appetites to seek the heart of, of God. We're, we're currently in the season of Lent. Some of you may be practicing the fasting as a part of Lent normally to prepare your hearts for Easter, the resurrection of Jesus. And so you'll hear people say around this time of year, I, I am fasting chocolate for Lent because it's always chocolate. Like 
Seriously, ask around. It's like we got to get rid of chocolate. We've got a chocolate issue in our lives. Uh, chocolate, it could be coffee. People fast different things, but it's meant, it's meant to set aside a normal appetite, a normal rhythm. Maybe we all just have a normal rhythm of consuming lots of chocolate, and so we set that aside so that we can turn our hearts and attention to, to Jesus and be consumed by him. That's the whole goal. Solitude similar. It disconnects us from kind of the regular hustle and bustle and rhythms of our, of our week. It's not hard to be caught up. Anybody get caught up during the week just in the, the craze of work, right? Kind of spins you like a top. It's easy to have that happen. Solitude is saying no to those demands, to, the, to those rhythms, and it's stepping into a place of stillness before God to say, I want to be shaped by your rhythm for my life. Both of these practices, if you, if you engage in the scriptures and you read the story of the Bible, the Old Testament and New Testament, you see these scattered throughout all of, uh, of the scriptures. Uh, first, with fasting, I'm just going to give you a few examples, but it's a lot of places. Uh, fasting shows up in the Old Testament, Deuteronomy 9, Moses goes up and he, he fasts for 40 days before receiving the commandments of God. That's a long time. Don't start there if you're starting this practice. Don't try 40 days. Uh, it won't work well for you. Ezra 10, uh, Ezra gathers the people together to confront them in their sin, and he fasted and mourned over the sins of the people. So you see it there. Daniel 10, he receives this vision from God of what would happen to his people. It says that he fasted for three weeks to seek God's heart. Nehemiah 1, he hears about the suffering of his people, and what does he do? He prays and he fasts for his people. Matthew 4, I mentioned this in the video. Jesus, before he started his ministry, went into the desert. He fasted for 40 days and nights. Strangely, the scriptures state, and I quote, he was hungry. Very practical. I would be hungry if I didn't eat for 40 days. Uh, Acts 9, Paul encountered Jesus. His life was changed. It says he didn't eat or drink for three days. So this kind of disconnect. The early church, they fasted often, seeking the will of God. Solitude, here's some examples just from Jesus' life. Jesus actually made a regular practice of disconnecting. If you read through the Gospels, you're like, he always seems to be trying to get away for a little bit. <laughs> I think we can relate to that. It's like, I just need a minute with my father, <laughs> right? Uh, Matthew 14, it says, immediately he made the disciples get into the boat, go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. Luke 6, verse 12, in these days he went up on the mountain to pray, and all night he continued to pray to God. So he made this practice of disconnecting, pulling away, of entering stillness. And, and when I look at just these examples, when I see something in the scriptures, whether it's the New Testament or the Old Testament, and it's repeated, like I keep seeing it again and again and again, it makes me pay attention. I go, if it's in there that much, that must be something that we should be thinking about or processing or figuring out, what does this look like in our lives? How do we apply this? This stuff is all over in the scriptures, particularly fasting and solitude. But out of all the disciplines we've talked about, scripture reading, we've talked about prayer, we've talked about a number of different things. Out of all the disciplines, I would wager that solitude and fasting is the least practiced. Why? Why is that the case? Uh, I'm going to be blunt. I'm going to tell you why I think this is the case. 
I don't think we engage in these two particular practices because I think we are highly trained as over-busy consumers. We're doing a series on formation, Christian spiritual formation, but, but the world is actually forming us too. And I think this is what the world has formed us into. Over-busy consumers. I'll give you an example. Have you, have you ever had a break in your week or in your day where everything stops, you don't have anything to do, and in that space of not having anything to do, you start freaking out a little bit because what are you supposed to be doing? You ever been there? Where like things stop but your brain doesn't stop? Like all the responsibilities, that they, like it, you just can't run away from it? Could it be that we've started to live at a pace that is really unhealthy? And at odds with the way of Jesus? Could it be? Could it, could it be that, that what he calls us into is actually very different than the way the world functions? Have we filled our lives with so many things that, that to not consume feels wrong? To not be busy feels like you're missing out or you're not doing what you should be doing. Does it close to home for anybody? Anybody? Okay, you feel that a little bit? I know I connect with it. I, I personally feel it's strongest on Fridays. Um, Fridays are, what's Friday for us, fam? Sabbath. Okay. So on Fridays, we, we try to disconnect. We find a time to rest and be together. Um, it's, it's a goal for us in our own formation to recognize all the time, but once a week, God's in charge, and we honor him as king. So we do this as a family. We're getting better at it. We're not always great at it. Dad's probably the worst at it. But we're growing together and learning what it looks like to stop. But this strange thing happens to me every Friday. At some point in the afternoon, as I'm trying to practice rest with Zeke and Thea and Katie, and we're sitting with the Lord and each other, I find myself on Amazon buying something. <laughs> something that I, I need. And it's sort of a joke. To Katie, it's a joke. Maybe it's not a joke, and I need to take it more seriously. But it's kind of a joke because it's like when I get to a place of actually resting, something in me goes, I've got, I, I, I got to stock the shelves. I've got to fix this thing in the kitchen. I've got to order this. I've got to order batteries, of course. We always got to order batteries. <laughs> like your, my brain just does that. And it's like without fail. It's like around lunchtime, just after lunchtime, like, choo. Why? Because I have been trained as an over-busy consumer. It's a pattern. It's a way of life. I've, I've kind of bought into it. This is exactly why we need practices like solitude and fasting. We need to disconnect. We need to unplug. We need to stop consuming so that we can remember who we are and who he is. That's actually where we find, find some rest. Uh, Jesus was not an over-busy consumer. He was not caught up. He was not consumed by the things of this world. Think about his life. In all the hustle and bustle of his life, think, think about the mounting pressure and expectation on Jesus as he lived. He never got caught up in it. He was, he was always at rest in the will of his Father. He was never hurried. He was always present grounded in moments of solitude and prayer. 
Uh, granted, he got away to be with the father, I think, because he had to hang out with us knuckleheads. But he had to ground himself. There was not a moment in Jesus' life where he lost himself in busyness. <laughs> he was, his food was doing the will of the father. Never forgot who he was. I, I think we have difficulty with this practice. We're entering stillness and disconnecting and fasting because we're scared about what we will find in the stillness. Because in the stillness, we actually have to think about what we're thinking about. <laughs> in the stillness, we have to actually process our life. It's, it, it feels easier to just stay really busy because then you don't have to think about what's going on inside. Anybody else get really busy to just kind of ignore what's going on in your life? I think it's kind of what we do, right? I do that. We lose touch with who we are and whose we are. We lose touch with the ability to enter the rest of our Savior. He gave his life for us. And instead of facing the truth and kind of turning away from it and adjusting our lifestyle and walking in his way, we just get more busy and more distracted. Paul, in Romans 1, he kind of cuts right to the heart of it. He says this, For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God. Or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools, and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal men, birds, animals, creeping things. Therefore God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie, and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. Can I suggest this morning that if it feels wrong to be still in your life, something may be wrong? Just to consider. Henry Nouwen, uh, who writes a lot about these two topics, he's got a great, a great picture. I've shared this before on Sunday. But... He likens entering solitude and stillness. Uh, he likens our brains, our kind of our heart, to a house that has all the doors and windows open. And, and through the doors and windows is just a constant stream of traffic. People, I don't know, things coming through the windows and through the doors. And, and, and it just, it's symbolic of a life that just has a lot of movement in it. And he, he says that solitude, entering into solitude, entering into stillness, disconnecting from the patterns of life is like going to that front door, shutting it, and then shutting all the windows. And when you do that, it doesn't actually stop the traffic initially. That traffic just starts slamming into the door and the windows. That's what it feels like to enter stillness, right? That's what it feels like to try to disconnect for a minute. It's like all of the, the responsibilities and the tasks that we have to do, they don't stop. They're trying to get in. They're trying to control and drive us. But we've got to shut the door and shut the window for a minute. And he says, over time, you learn that the noise will begin to settle. And then you'll actually remember who you are. <laughs> Not a human doing, but a human being. Not defined by what we produce or consume or what we own or don't own, but by the Lord of the universe who breathed life into our lungs. We need that reminder regularly. 
The psalmist writes, be still and know that I am God. The word be still is to let go, to cease, to idle, to slacken. So it could be read, let go and know that I am God. Anybody really good at letting go? Okay, we're in good company. Cease from doing and know that I am God. Put everything in neutral and remember that I am God. This is what the psalmist is saying. My, my friend Shirley, who sits up here uh, normally in service, she got this text framed for me. It hangs in my office. Um, because I need a constant reminder, and I think it was a, a nice nudge from her. I need to constantly remember the truth of this text, that I can be still. From all the busyness and consumption to remember who's in charge of my life. We do not need to be over busy consumers. We don't. The world that we live in does not need to define who we are. We are not what we consume. Again, we're not what we produce. We're not defined by what we have. We're children of God. You are a child of God, dearly loved. You've been purchased by the blood of Jesus. And today we have all that we need in him. We lack nothing this morning in Jesus Christ. Amen? We lack nothing. We have all that we need right now. There's rest for your soul right now. If you've noticed this busyness in your life, or even as I'm talking about it, you're getting a little... <laughs> Maybe you're thinking about like Monday morning, and you're like, well, this is great Sunday, but the time's ticking. Monday's coming. <laughs> We're having a case of the Mondays again. Maybe we've done it to ourselves. You might be thinking, how does this work out? You're having trouble with self-control and food, drink, purchasing. If, if you're regularly avoiding stillness, that may be a sign. You may be caught up in the rat race. And it's a race that you don't have to keep running. Can I just give you the, like, come on, you don't have to. You don't got to buy into it. You don't got to do it. Take, take a seat. Remember who you are. Jesus tells us this, come to me. It's a familiar text to those who are overstressed. <laughs> this is hilarious. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Oh. You know what's funny about this verse? We want this. I don't, like I said, I think, I think this, we can turn to this verse when we're feeling a little bit spun up. When Jesus, come to me, oh, you are weary. Yeah, that's me. I'm weary, I'm heavy laden. Hook me up with some rest, man. Right? But Jesus does this interesting thing. He says, ah. Yes, my child. <laughs> I'm so glad that you've come to me. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put this yoke on you, and I'm going to teach you how to walk like I walk. 
And you want to know what we do? Ah, I was kind of just hoping for like a quick shot of rest. Because I'm going to go back and live just the way that I've been living all week long for the last five years. I'm not actually going to change anything. I just need a little shot of rest. Do we not? I just give me the rest that I need. And he's like, I can. I actually want to show you how to walk in my peace and in my rest. Take my yoke upon you. Walk with me. Walk in step with me, and you'll understand what it means to walk in the Spirit. And there's rest, and there's peace for your soul. There's joy. All of these things are possible. Just walk with me. We're like, ah, about that. Like, I'm so good with receiving the rest, but I don't really want to follow in your way. It's silly. Silly what we do. What if we took him at his word? We came to Jesus when we're heavy laden, and we said, Lord, I am willing to let go of the way that I function currently. It's called repentance. I'm going to turn away from that, and I'm going to choose life with you. I'm going to walk in step with you. We, we did this, we, we made a yoke out of a broomstick uh, one New Year's Eve a couple years ago to try to demonstrate kind of the imagery of what Jesus is sharing here uh, of two oxen kind of being hooked by this wooden harness, right? And you actually feel the weight of the harness, if you're an oxen, just imagine, when you're trying to rush ahead of the other oxen. You start to feel the pressure of it. Or if you are kind of sitting back and not doing what maybe you're supposed to be doing, when do you feel, that's when you feel the yoke. So, so the idea is to be yoked with Jesus is to just walk in step with the way he walks. That's where you experience rest. You won't experience it not not choosing to go with him, you won't experience him trying to race ahead of where he is. You'll experience it in step with Jesus. <sighs> Jesus, that's good. That's good, Jesus. Thanks for that. The disciplines of solitude and fasting kind of help get our hearts into alignment there. It helps us accept the truth about where we're at. Maybe we're running too much, too fast, or maybe we have been sitting back and we haven't been doing the things God has asked us to do and we're also feeling a little unsettled and anxious there. What does it mean to get in step? Jesus isn't interested in... I'm going to skip that other quote, guys. Jesus is not interested in, in us following a bunch of rules. We know this, correct? Like the disciplines that we've talked about for the last two months, it's not so that... We can leave here having checked the eight boxes of the disciplines that we've discussed and like, yay, we're spiritual now. Not the goal. If that's what you're hoping for coming in here, like, you're just going to be disappointed. It's not to check all these boxes or follow all these rules. It's to get our hearts close to Jesus. It's, it's to abide. It's to trust. It's to follow his lead. That is the whole because you can actually engage in all of the disciplines that we just talked about and be a jerk that looks nothing like Jesus. Don't look at anybody in this room. There may be people who have 
are followers of Jesus that you're like, I, you, I can't tell. You actually don't look anything like, you don't walk like, you don't talk like, you don't serve like, you don't, you're not gracious like him. Like, it's a little too painful. The world needs more people who actually live in the way of Jesus. Not over busy, over distracted, unanchored consumers running away from what's true. The goal of the disciplines is to lay aside our perspective. So here, here's what we're going to do. Uh, a couple things. Try to get practical here. Uh, maybe, maybe this is interesting to you. Maybe this is hitting a chord or it's stirring something inside of you. And like, well, what's next? How do I work this out? Uh, first, with fasting, there could be a thousand ways for this to work out in your life. Maybe it's, maybe it's food. Maybe it's uh, technology. But here's, here's, here's the framework. Here's what I want you to think about it. Um, Think about things that you consume on a regular basis that potentially have become things that are consuming you. So I'll give you just a, an example. Um, like social media, right? As an example, not, not that it's evil, but it can become something that consumes us. So at first, you're like, oh, this is great. There's a lot of information here. But now it's like all you think about. See the difference? It starts to consume you. And so I want you to think about, is there, are there things in your life that maybe were something you consumed, but now all of a sudden they kind of run your life a little bit, and they, they take up a lot of space in your mind and in your thoughts and your time and your energy? What are those things? Those are probably the things that you should fast and set aside for a season. Set them aside. Maybe start with a day. Be nice to yourself. Be gracious. Maybe a week. What could that be? Solitude. Uh, again, think about your week. Do you have a window in your week where you stop, where you cease, where you don't do things? Do you have that? If you're a parent of young children, you're like, <laughs> you're funny, Drew. I get it. Mine are sitting in the front, front row here. <laughs> But here's the thing. It's possible even with a young family. It really is. Um, as a young family, you've probably made time to watch a show or something. Like, we, we make time for the things that are important. So it's possible. Maybe you need to serve. Maybe you need to bring a friend in. If, if you're a single parent and you've got kids, you're like, there's no way. Then somebody in this church can show up and watch your kids so you can have two, three hours of solitude and silence. We can do that for you. We'd love to. If you're married, this is where you get to serve your spouse. You get to actually help create space by just being a parent to your children. Uh, okay. Uh, we're going to practice this together since you're a captive audience this morning. It's going to be so good. Here's what we're going to do. Uh, worship team, you guys can come up and join me. Uh, Thea, can you do me a favor? My phone is right there. Can you bring that to me? Yep. Thanks, Lass. All right. We are going to practice stillness, silence. So here's what you're going to do. Everybody, uh, take this out. Take this out. Okay? Here's what you're going to do with this. You're going to put it right back where it was, in your pocket. Or if you need to, you're going to chuck it across the room just for a minute. <laughs> 
Okay, put it in your purse, put it under your chair. Because here's what's going to happen. We're going to do three minutes of silence. Three. At about 45 seconds, you're going to start twitching, reaching for this. Okay? It's okay. Everybody in the room is experiencing the same thing. We're going to practice disconnecting from some of the normal things in our life to say, Lord, what do you want to say to me right now? Ready? Three minutes. Here we go. <laughs> 